Hey, welcome back. We're wrapping up an episode here of C-Spot Play. I am your host, Ted Gunderson, and with me is my guest, Ted Tinklebum. Yes, that's me, Ted Tinklebum. I uh, we're, we, we've got just one more. We've we've. I feel like we've been running through a real disappointing uh, collection of toys here today. These I, toys are terrible. I have not. I've not been enjoying. I, I. I really. I don't see where the industry is right now. If this is what's out there, I don't. What know, dog would have fun with any of these? Very few moving parts. Very. Like nothing essentially has any kind of even LED, not even an LCD display. Right. Let's let alone a touchscreen or anything that any like modern device you would think should have. It's it's it's, it's I, I'm confused, but you know we'll we'll run with it. Uh, in the spirit of uh, good faith, we'll just we'll, we'll go through one more here before we wrap up for the day. Uh, All right. I, so I've got here. Put it out on the table. Yeah. So this thing. Uh, okay. What? Well, that's just great. Yeah, Boy, what, I, I can hardly contain my enthusiasm for this piece of shit. Yeah, what, what, what is even the idea here exactly? We're looking at, uh, uh, it's, 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 it's a sort of cone, a bulbing cone. Three it's like rings. a snowman shape. Yeah, it's, basically. Like, it's like a little snowman. Except it's like red and made of rubber. It, it's, it's like it, it was literally designed by, I, I think a hateful person built this. A person who dislikes dogs and does not want them to have any of the normal kinds of fun you would expect a dog to have. Like, what kind of cultural experience are you going to get out of this, like, lump of, like, rubber garbage? Exactly. It's nothing. You it's know, like, this is like what you would, like, peel off of a real toy and throw in the garbage exactly. because it's like, what it came in or Maybe something. I feel like sitting down and reading some literature. Maybe I'm thinking I'm in the mood for some Nabokov. Right. Oh, wait, no, it's a, it, it's a, it's a lump of red rubber. And here, the worst part is I was looking through the, the little manual that comes with it and it's, you, you see how it, like, has a hollow core kind of from yes, the top yes. to the bottom it says you can put peanut butter in that and then the dog will just have the a wonderful time chewing and squeezing the peanut butter which into is, its own mouth which is ridiculous i, I have would never you want, ever eat peanut butter that not, way not you would just go life. to the kitchen and get some peanut butter no one would want to do that it's why disgusting. would a dog want to do that yeah why would any dog, self-respecting dog want to like eat peanut butter that way it's That's, difficult to understand it's difficult to understand how this even made it to market i yeah. don't expect it to last it's a flash in the pan right honestly i at this point i expect the entire dog toy market to collapse based on what we've seen in the last several episodes it's totally a bubble it's obviously a bubble no dog is going to enjoy any of these this, things it's, it's speculative idiocy it's i mean it's if i owned a dog i just know it would hate this exactly yeah. I, I i've i've thought many times we've discussed this about buying a dog but if this is the state of their you know toy selection i can't bring myself to bring a dog into my life and punish him like that it's it's awful and like you t talk about earlier there's one that's just a rope it's just a rope it's with like a knot at either end Yes, we, we're familiar with ropes. It's not a toy. It's not fun. It's something you use to tie up other right. things. Right. Right. It might as well be like I don't know a stapler or something. I mean, even a stapler you can do something with. Not a single one of these is a, a thing a, that you could a, actually accomplish anything exactly. useful with. Exactly. What if I wanted to build a woodshed? Right. This isn't going to get me anywhere. No. You know, if I'm a dog, and you'd I'm be like, better off to... with a stapler. Exactly. You know, if I'm a dog and I want to build a shed, right? What What am I going to do with any? Uh, anyway, that's it's garbage. Know, All it's... of these are garbage. If any listener out there has any ideas for a good dog toy that we could actually review, that actually might have the slightest modicum of interest for a dog, please let us know because please, please I would love because, yes, to turn the corner on these. These really, are just really, awful. Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing nothing. Anyway, we're just about out of time. Uh, I yeah. apologize to all of our dog listeners who are listening to this and hoping for a review of a good toy. Right. Uh, you know, tune in to us next week on your iPads and uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll find something. Maybe someone right. out there maybe will Maybe episode 179 will be the magic number. Who knows? Uh, until then, you know, next up is a crapshoot. Thanks for listening and uh, I am literally a dog. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
Well, hello and welcome to the Crap Shoot. It's episode 34, I think. You're not going to restart the computer and give us the best chance of success? No, no, we're totally going to ride the fucking dragon here. It's kind of the, the MO of the show to ride the dragon. Yes, we're, yeah. we're a couple of dragon riders. We are dragon riders of Pern, mm-hmm. I would say. I'm actually a little bit nervous about the low uh, levels I'm getting here. Hello and welcome again to the crapshoot. It's still episode 34. We're doing another take on this, even though that first one with the Dragon Riders joke was fucking solid. It was really funny. We're a little bit worried that my laptop's going to shit the bed or something, but uh, but I think it's going to be okay. That would only be, right. be the second time that's happened on this show. Yeah, yeah. In 30 how many episodes. Exactly. That's pretty good odds. Yeah. I mean, that's better than like, you know, not dying from heart surgery. Probably. Okay. I don't, I've been watching a lot of house. A lot of house. <laughs> Oh, sur- surgery is always risky. Even oh, sure. even even basic surgery, something could go wrong with the anesthet- anesthetology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could have a bad reaction, sure. etc. So it's not just going to happen to me one night, though. No, no, that probably I die not. from bad no, heart that's, surgery. That's that's much less likely. Doesn't Especially sneak, if you haven't had it. Yeah, exactly. If you've not actually had heart surgery, right? Heart surgery is unlikely to pose a significant threat. Right. So really, overall, it's not a, it's not a big uh, statistical problem I have to worry about. Exactly. Dying from heart surgery. Yeah, very small statistical problem. Unless very, I'm having heart surgery, in very, which case, very few people die of unexpected heart surgery uh, while sleeping. Yeah. Uh, I'm Josh Millard. I think they all die while sleeping. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> This is Jesse Holden. Pity the f- fucking guy who doesn't <laughs> has to wake up just to die while during surgery. What 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 angers me is how correct you are. It's you know not only you're sassing, but you're doing so absolutely technically correctly. That's uh, all I'm here to do. I have a, a love success rate, but uh, when they when they hit, I I like them. Uh, hi, I'm Jesse Holden. Yeah, you said that. Hi, it, it's it's October the twentieth today, nineteenth, mm-hmm. twentieth. Yes, today is the last day, uh, and it's too late for you by the time you hear this, I'm sure. But today is the last day, as someone I saw on Twitter noted that you can watch Back to the Future, uh, Part Two, and have any of it happen in the future. Any of it. Yes, any of it. It takes place, it takes over place on days. Oct- well, well, Back to the Future Part 2, they jump forward to October 21st, 2015. Okay. Uh, which is tomorrow. Right. So Nike better get busy on those fucking shoes. <laughs> but the future stuff all happens within one day. It's not a multiple day. Yeah, I think he jumps forward to the future. It's like, what the fuck? Jumps back, does some stuff, jumps forward to the future, and it's all okay. Mm-hmm. They undid the horror of Biff Tannen, President of America, or whatever the situation was. Yeah, with the Donald Trump uh, corollaries. Yeah, uh, I should say we have we have done something that we haven't usually done for episodes, but we've talked about a couple times, which is pregame a little bit. We actually oh, sat down and uh, was that what that was? Yeah, <laughs> okay. we we sat down in my living room and and Jesse and I drank a beer and just chatted, and now a good solid. Uh, nice solid beer, Jubilee, six point seven percent. I'm glad you finally approve of one, you asshole. Yeah, well, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> don't push uh, your luck. Glad, glad you like it. <laughs> don't push your fucking luck. <laughs> Look at me, I bring the beer and it's free, so you should be grateful or something. I don't know. I don't know. All I remember about Back to the Future Two is the 3D billboard that was a shark that almost bit him. Oh, I forgot about that. And uh, and uh, Future Biff saying, "What's the matter, McFly? You got no scrot." <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember that. I uh, I need to watch these films again, I guess. Yeah. 
It wasn't even that long that I rewatched it. Just those two hung out. Yeah. He yells it at him like right before the hoverboard thing. Oh yeah, oh, that fucking Lexus hoverboard thing earlier this year. Did Tell me about that? that. What the hell is going on? I, I see. I'm, a bunch I'm sure of people some lame fucking about... bullshit where they're using some sort of magnetic reaction to a carefully prepared skate park surface and totally not shooting the bits where it's established that if you have a frictionless fucking floating vehicle that you can't steer, you can't steer it. I mean, that's a, that's the thing about the hoverboard thing. Is like, so I think this is what happened. I mm-hmm. think Lexus. Figured out a way. Can you just start with what you're talking about, though? Because okay. I don't even know the thing you're referring to. I just okay, know so that people this have year, been yes. referring no, to enough. the thing you're referring to. Earlier this to. year, Lexus put out some basically an advertisement in the form of sort of a sneak peek for a hoverboard. Mm-hmm. They had made a hoverboard, and so they they put out this ad that basically showed some hoverboarding in a skate park, and it's like uh, it's a hoverboard. It's hovering a couple inches off the ground. Mm-hmm. A guy's riding on it. In a skate park, holy shit, hoverboards are real. And it and it's it's like a here's a thing we actually made in the yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. At, at last, wild R and D lab. Yeah, at last, hoverboards are actually real, just like they were right. the last several times someone announced them. They've in this case, out enough uh, uh, hoverboard engineers. Yeah, and, uh, so and there's been several hoverboard like develop hoverboarding. <laughs> yes, we'll get there. We'll get we'll, okay. we'll, we'll get to other base. Don't start the stopwatch uh, yet. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, so the hoverboard thing. The thing is, there have been a number of hoverboard hoaxes where someone just did trick photography or whatever to set up a hoverboard board situation Mm -hmm. in this case i'm willing to believe that lexus or whoever lexus bought the branding rights to on this actually managed to get a board to sort of magnetically hover over a specific surface at least for very short takes of film Mm -hmm. like i can there's nothing physically impossible about having a magnet react to metal in a way that causes it to float like that's totally doable for that matter electromagnetic uh uh locking with like uh, superconductors also very doable. Like there's some cool things on the internet showing off that not in a load bearing, put a 200 pound person on it sort of way, but still these, there are physical phenomena that under carefully controlled circumstances you could take advantage of. They aren't the hoverboard from back to the future Two right. riding around, but you could possibly make a board hover. The thing is assuming Lexus actually did this and it was not just total hoax it's still for shit for actually skateboarding. And that's the thing. The whole thing is a hoverboard is supposed to be a skateboard except for with no wheels. It just hovers. Skateboards really, really need wheels because that's what helps them interact with the ground. Mm. That's how you turn a skateboard. That's how you do fucking everything you do besides grinding on a rail down the middle of the board. Mm-hmm. It's because there's wheels and there's physical effects there. So if you suddenly... Well, if you're doing a board slide. I mean, you could also be doing a 50-50 grind <sighs> or a blunt slide. You. The point is, the point is, you take away the wheels, you take away the friction, and all or of a sudden you have slide, you can go crazy. essentially a, a frictionless surface. And yeah. the thing about a frictionless surface is there's no friction, right. which means something just like in uh, an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Right. Until That's it, all you're going to get. Until it hits the sun. Yeah. So Tony Hawk is not going to be able to hop on that <laughs> hoverboard and pull off proper... And yet, and yet in the video that is what seemed to be happening did you I say? think it was just real, no it, was it, someone it, just like going flat like moving along a flat surface and then it cuts or were they like going up the side of half pipes I, and I getting think, I think that there was a little bit of ramp stuff okay. and the thing is there's nothing to say you couldn't do that but the things you could do are so limited it's basically an engine for killing yourself on if you tried to treat it like a skateboard is someone t- turning in the video or is that is it cut around that it, it definitely cuts around any sort okay. of actual self-directed like banking of your board on a flat right, surface. Right, but if you kind of go up an inclined yeah. surface, you turn the other yeah, way. Yeah, you could sort of ride it over a lump. Okay, 
Sure. And so they, they sort of made use of that. And I don't even like this concept that much. I don't know why I'm still talking about it. But the point is, sure. Lexus made a hoverboard probably, but it's still shit. Okay. End of story. Okay. Back to the Future 2. Now everyone's really like talking about this hoverboard thing though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it'll probably get some more press tomorrow or something. Who fucking knows? Okay. No, as far as I can tell, nobody is talking about Lexus's hoverboard after those first two days. Is it wasn't there, even for was sale there, or anything. It was just like it was just like a teaser thing on the internet. For was clicks. there a thing that Walmart was selling that was like a hoverboard? I don't know. But it had wheels. I don't. Uh, and it sort of was just like a. How can a hoverboard everyone, have wheels? And then everyone's arguing: Is it a? Is it not? How is it? If it has wheels, it's just a skateboard. See, I thought that's what the thing you were going to be describing was. I, so I think yeah, there was, no, there was no another channel concurrent yeah. hoverboard non-story yeah. going on. Well, the main hoverboard non-story yeah, was I, going I on. I may just not know what's up. No, but I didn't. I mean, I didn't even know that. So that's interesting to me. I don't know. I mean, I can I can imagine having fun and under certain circumstances, like getting a line of momentum through a... Uh, the hills and dales of a designed park for well, yeah, it. No, might yeah, be fun. yeah. It's just it's just not a skateboard. It's not a hoverboard qua skateboarding. Right. Is all you know. It's like I could have fun on a slip and slide too, which is essentially the same phenomenon. Right. But it's not a skateboard. Right. It's a hoverboard. Yeah. A slip and slide is a hoverboard. Yes. Yes. Or vice versa. I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so. Uh, so we were talking, and I'm going to try and pull whatever small amount of story there is here out of you, because uh, we were talking earlier about sales. Uh, there's a um, there's a Metafilter user called Hoverboards Don't Work on Water. And the, oh, there is, yes. I think the first comment, one of the first couple comments I ever favorited once favoriting was introduced was uh, someone was talking about Back to the Future 2, and, and that user said, items from that film have certain limitations. <laughs> I wonder if they're still around under that account. I, yeah. I, I, I hope they show up tomorrow. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll send them an email. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so we were talking they, earlier. That name didn't come up when we were talking about our favorite Metafilter usernames. Yeah, but there's there, lots there that didn't so come many, up. There are so many good names. If you're on, on Metafilter, Metafilter out there, you can probably rest assured that I love your username. Yep. And there's so many to uh, forget to name on the podcast. Uh, yours is probably one of them. There's a lot to appreciate out there. Yeah. Um, so we were talking, you and I, Jesse, yeah, sure. before before we started recording when we were just sitting around drinking beer, uh-huh. about, among other things... Uh, You've let slip our secret that we yes. uh, drink beer and talk even when the mics aren't hot. Yes. Although not as often as you would think. Yeah. This actually presents a, 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 represents a pretty good uh, chunk of our... Uh, I want to say per capita, but that's not the right... Uh, no, no. <laughs> yes. We do a lot of our, 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 our beer drinking and chatting on mic. Um, but uh, we were talking about sales and friends, essentially, because I had a friend who's working in sales right now, and he wanted to present some stuff, and so he came over and, and we did that, and it was fine. It's I I I don't like sales, and so it's sort of a weird setup. But I, yeah. I sort of communicated that him up front, and uh, he was reasonably respectful of that, and so it went fine. You know, he he did a little bit of stuff. I didn't buy anything from him, mm-hmm. and then we just sort of bullshit for a while, and, sure. and that was nice. Um, but you had mentioned uh, in the context of this recently an old situation where you had a friend who wanted to sell you some web TV it, stuff. Yeah, I was 18. It, the first thing I thought of, like someone doing a product demo in your living room or whatever yeah. comparable experience. I we had should say was, web TV for anyone who's not familiar right, with I'm this. getting to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely explain it. No, but I, it's, isn't that fucking weird? Web TV? I mean, it's the first, you reminding me of that was the first time I thought of web TV in a really, yeah. really long time. 
Remember yeah. QCats? Remember getting yes. those from Radio Shack? Yes. It's well, I didn't get one, area. but I remember they existed. They were free. You should have got one. I just, I didn't give a shit. I always thought there was going to be some clever hack that would allow you to like use it as a weapon or something. I had friends who who got their hands on a QCat or okay. two. Um, you know, I was on a, I was going to school for computer science at a, a fairly techie school at the time. Mm-hmm. So like, it was definitely a thing that I was aware of. And I know some people did like write custom drivers for them and stuff. Yeah. Well, um, it was just like a UPC scanner essentially, right? Well, so, like a USB <laughs> connected UPC scanner. It used the PS slash two port. Oh, what's the USB? <laughs> which meant I couldn't use it on my Mac, except I found an adapter you could use. And, but there were still no drivers for the Macs coming soon. According to their, uh, you know, 1990, whatever webpage. Um, the QCAT was a fun thing. And I'm sorry to not tell the story you're no, asking no, no, for, no. but, um, I, now I'm just, can't stop thinking about the QCAT. Um, this, there was, so there was this, for anyone younger than us or less techie than us in the nineties, um, or I don't even know if techie is the right, uh, metric to judge this, uh, Radio Shack wanted everyone to get this device and connect it to their computer. And I'm sure it was some company they bought out and had some grand, plan you know with with your technology and our install base or your whatever our our retail reach yeah uh, we can get these in everyone's homes i'd forgotten that radio shack was even involved i just i remember it basically as sort of like the platonic ideal of some random doomed fucking startup right <laughs> right before doomed you know computer related and tech related startups were just like the most cliche thing this was a yeah this was pre.com bust essentially yeah right um right pets.com was probably still like some <laughs> blog or something. Yep. Um, but what it was, was a kind of a, uh, it, it was a, it, it was that computer beige, you know, plastic thing uh, about the size and shape of a smallish dildo, but kind of like styled as if it was a like a cat, like a crouched cat. So it's sort of had sculpted ears and a little bit of a face on the front. So not much use as a dildo. Right. Well, I don't know. Depending. 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 I guess on what you're looking for. Um, With the idea being, I uh, assume that it sat next to your mouse. You would have a mouse and then just to the right of that, the cat, right? (laughs) Uh, And and they could just rest next to each other next to your keyboard. And um, it connected to your computer and... The front of it was a little like red, you know, barcode reader laser thing. And the idea was there were special uh, UPCs that it could read. And you could tell it was a, a QCAT UPC because A, because it had the letter C with a colon in front of the UPC. It was kind of stylized and had a red box around it. And B, because the bars were slanted to the right. So it was kind of like visually indicative, sort of a in a weird way, sort of a forerunner of the... Uh, what do you call those robot barf things that are everywhere? Uh, QR. QR codes. QR codes. So kind of like that. Um, Except even, you know, even more like uh, closed source or whatever, you know, even more like locked to one vendor and brand and stuff. The idea being you could pop one of those into your magazine advertisement and then interested readers could just scan that code from your magazine and it would take them to a web page with more information. It's or the it would, future of e-commerce, man. Right. It's going to revu- revolutionize the way that we impulse buy shit from right. the internet. <laughs> right. And, and it was so immediately solving a problem that zero people had, yep. right? I mean, I guess search engines weren't at the top of their game at the time, but it wasn't but that still. hard to find where, like, you know, Capcom's website was in your from your video game magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, and then later they had a thing that kind of like was an add-on slash side thing where you're supposed to patch it in to your home TV setup into the audio. It had like an in-between kind of like splitter thing for oh, the weird. audio. I didn't know about that. Bit. So they could broadcast a special audio code that your computer would then pick up and like prompt you with special offers, assuming you had the wherewithal to run a giant stupid fucking cord from your TV to your computer <laughs> just for the pleasure of seeing more fucking advertisements all the time. So yeah, that was a special time in, in the computer. And like everyone was, th- I mean, everyone in my small town was thrilled to like just have a free piece of computer hardware, right? Uh, well, that was, was that was the amazing thing about it is because like the Q-Cats were free. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's that's how it became such a ridiculous bath because it's not like they were even mitigating the damage by like charging some sort of slightly more than cost fee for the things. Right. They were so front loading it, like get these in homes and offices so that people will invest in our architecture that they just ended up literally throwing all that because there's oh, no God. way they made any fucking money no, off the actual no. QCAT stuff. No one picked it up because why the fuck would you? No one was like, oh yeah, I definitely think this is the future of e-commerce. Right. I'm going to start running QCAT friendly barcodes on my website. Yeah, it's it was yeah. a bad idea. Yeah, I don't know. Confidently executed <laughs> by people it, well, who presumably were subsequently fired. Who, who? I mean, well, if anyone who worked for Radio Shack was fired sooner or later. <laughs> The, the, I mean, it was bad. They didn't, they couldn't give them away fast enough. And so this wasn't the original plan, but they just started putting them in people's mailboxes. I mean, Radio Shack, of course, had amazing mailing lists because they made you give them your like social security number and home address. Because that's phone important number. when you're buying batteries. When you're buying batteries, yeah. right. Um, uh, so on the other hand, a great promotion Radio Shack used to run was they give you a free flashlight. And it just took like six D <laughs> batteries that weren't included, yep. <laughs> which you know, hey, you're in Radio Shack. Why yeah, it's don't a you great pick those yeah, up, right? It's a, it's a great flashlight. You right. know what I mean? It's a flashlight. It's it's got a light on the end. Yeah. What more do you want? We had a few of those flashlights at my house, um, but uh, so anyway, so th- th- all of which is to just set the technological scene for uh, web tv web tv which the, was an early set top box i yes. guess you could say it was an internet it was an internet uh box slash service and it's like it web tv is like if someone's like you know this aol stuff is great but it's a little too high quality and functional and featured <laughs> can we come up with something that's shittier right harder to use for no good reason mm-hmm. how about a set top box that comes with its own keyboard that can only type in capital letters. No lowercase. That's twice as many letters to deal with. Let's not do that. Just And you'll look at it on your TV, your good old days CRT standard definition TV that is really well suited to a Nintendo entertainment system, <laughs> but not so much to computing. So our all capital letters stuff will all have to be in a giant fucking font so you can even read it at all. So it'll be like it'll be kind of like what if you use the internet on your TI eighty three calculator in math class, uh, but but this was a whole thing. This was like it was a going concern for I don't know a couple of years at least. Yeah, and you know they they really tried to get their name out there. I mean, it's I think a, a, almost everybody had heard of web TV at least in my area and. Uh, it's kind of like I mean it's the user experience. It's like just imagine. When all of a sudden every set top box decided it wanted to try to have a web browser too, because why not? So this yeah. would be like the Dreamcast had that web browser, the PlayStation 2, if you bought the network connection kit, had a web browser, I think. And even the PS3 and kind of like 
you know, recent gen stuff. Yeah. And, but at uh, this point, at boxes, this point, TVs all, are high enough sure. resolution that you can actually conceivably use them for some basic computing tasks. But you just, you, you have probably had an experience trying to use, browse the web on a device, That's the not Nintendo Wii or whatever, computer, yeah. that wasn't designed around that experience. Imagine if you took every other part of that device that made it good and threw it in the trash and just kept that one <laughs> shitty part of the experience. That's what web TV was. Well, and we should, we should, we should acknowledge the one selling point the web TV really had, which is the whole idea is it's web TV because you've got the internet on your TV. You don't need to buy a computer. You don't need to buy a computer monitor. You just buy this box. And so it was cheap, right. but it was a classic example of there's a reason for that. you know? Right. And I mean, on paper, I don't think web TV was a bad strategy for what we knew at the time and the place we thought the Internet would have in our lives, which is not that major, but, yeah. you know, growing in importance and stuff. But especially because it was like the offer was someone would come and set it up for you. You didn't have to find a new place in your house to put some new shit that you didn't want, like a computer. I mean, just imagine you're like over 70 or 80 years old and you have no, zero interest in investing and rearranging your house around a thing. But for whatever reason, you need to access a web page once in a while. That's a pretty compelling thing, right? Yeah, no, you, yeah, it's, it it's, uses a, a room already in your house with hardware that's already in your house and it adds on. Yeah. And you already feel like you know how to use the TV, and yeah. you don't have to learn an entire new language. Yeah, so so at the moment in time, yeah. you know, it's it's not insane that someone would try to make this work. It turns out what they tried to make work was a piece of shit. Right, it was a it bad was badly piece of designed shit. And, it was a and, bad thing that hurt people. And it, 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 it rightfully died, even right. though even if it had been pretty solid, it still would have died, I think, within a few years as... Uh, right. I mean, no one, no along, one knew that there was going to be a computer in literally every house. I mean, for, for all intents yeah. and purposes, this was, this was a time when it was still, the internet was still novel. Right. It was still being, you know, very much on the slow process of uptake. Right. I mean, um, I would love to see like the charts that they had, like, here's all the people who don't have a computer in their house yet and, yeah. and don't have, you know, and for whom that's a, it represents a major learning curve yeah, and what, investment. Yeah. And, what chunk of that can we get at? You know, by offering right. That's, that's so now, now that we've established time. why you should buy a web TV, right? If it's this has been your pitch. So uh, uh, when you go to webtv.com, <laughs> use my referral code, and uh, um, I don't know. So it was a thing that that geeks uh, looked down, you know, disparagingly on. Like it, intensely AOL's a good so. Comparison, I, yes. I think. I, I had a friend who had a web TV, and I gave him shit about it a lot. And right. I kind of feel bad about that now because it's just what his family had. But uh, I was a totally obnoxious <laughs> nerd snob about internet and, and stuff in high school. Uh, but you... So I had a friend who got, you know, he, he just needed, needed to get a pickup job here or there or whatever. And, and uh, he gives me a call one time and uh, he says, uh, so, hey, here's a weird thing. I, I work for web TV now. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. And he said, uh, so here's the, here's the thing. I haven't, like... Um, I, because I'm new, I need to like go and pitch someone in their living room and kind of explain what's cool about it. And what I have to do is set up a tape recorder while I give the pitch. And then I have to turn the tape into my boss and they can give me pointers or whatever. So it's like you don't have to you really you don't have to buy it. I just need like someone to be there to be like the customer, basically, sure. to pretend to be the customer. Do me a song. Let me let me let me practice my pitch. Exactly. So um, so I'm like, hey, sure, that sounds fun and weird. And who the fuck knows? I don't know. Um 
So he comes over and he's just like, yeah, so no big deal. And, you know, don't worry about it. I'm going to set up the recorder or whatever. And he hits record on the recorder. And then he like leans into this hard sell and not in a way that was purely for the tape because he's like using things he knows about me to try and tell me why I actually should buy it. And it felt it was just growing awkwardness and stress on my side about it. Because, I mean, obviously it was a kind of a bait and switch thing where he's like, I'm just going to pretend to sell you. And then he sells me really hard with, sure. you know, um, and I don't who maybe he was even coached to do that. I don't know. He's literally one of the nicest guys I ever met. So it's not because he was like had an asshole streak or whatever. Um, boy, asshole streaks an evocative phrase. I wish I hadn't just <laughs> thrown out there. <laughs> uh, it's not uh, you get a brown star. <laughs> um. You know, it's, it's not because he was secretly a jerk, but I think he was like, he was trying to use the techniques that he had just been himself sold on. Yeah. And uh, and so he came in and he did the hard sell and I'm like, and he's like, so what do you think? Can I get, can I, can I get you into one of these today? And I was like, no, thanks. But uh, that was a great pitch and uh, I'll, I'll think about it some more. And I, I have some people I think might be interested too, and I'll give you their contact info. And he's like, so I think he's going to say great and hit stop. But instead he's like, why not? I was like, oh, well, because of, you know, all the reasons I was saying while you were talking. And he's like, oh, well, didn't you? But what about how I just like told you that those weren't valid for this reason? You know, you have DSL already. And I know WebTD is not quite assessed as DSL, but it brings all these other advantages. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I just don't. I mean, are we still doing the thing right now? <laughs> are we still acting or what is happening? Is I, I got a real deer in the headlights moment out of it. And then when he finally like realized he couldn't sell me, he basically like hit stop, packed up his stuff and walked out the door. It was really, really a weird situation. That is fucking bizarre. Yeah, it was very strange. Um uh yeah, I don't I don't know. I I, I think that one of the things I have always, but especially since then, been uh uh, worried about in those types of like hard sell situations is that I think that people who are really good salespeople become good salespeople partly because they get trained to exploit people's natural inclination to not feel like a jerk. So, and this happens all the time to me because I'm such a sucker and idiot and I'm so gullible and you stupid. You are really dumb yeah. and, a, and a jerk. I'm scared when the door, when I hear a knock at the door because if I open it, someone's going to use my unwillingness to feel like a jerk against me. Whether it's, and this has happened to, um, to us at our new place, uh, someone's saying their car just broke down and they need money and also they're getting thrown out of their house and also their wife is pregnant and also they just broke their leg and literally like every all of these things were part of one sob story <laughs> Jesus on like Christmas Eve or something it was insane and I'm like I, and then I want to say you know well, I mean I have a little whatever I don't have you know I don't have cash but I can give you the whatever and, um, or if it's a uh you know, someone trying to sell me on their religious tradition that they are feel compelled to go door to door with or whatever. They just know how to twist this one screw. That's like, well, you're, I'm going to think you're an asshole if you sent me away. So unless you want me to think you're an asshole, you better like go along with what I'm saying. And it's, and, yeah. and I'm so susceptible to it that I, I, um, I, I get really resentful at the end of that interaction yeah. because I feel like I was really t exploited. Taken yeah, no, advantage it's, of. it's, it's a whole thing. You know, I feel like that, that general phenomena, uh, of my dad calling me in the middle of a podcast. Yeah, answer, the phone. answer on the podcast. Okay. 
Hey, Dad. Hey, uh, what's up? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm in the middle of recording a podcast, uh, and uh, I could put you on speakerphone and have that be part of the podcast if you feel like it. Oh shit! I have not. Oh, okay. I am gonna put you on. I am gonna put you on speakerphone, and we're gonna capture this because because my co-host is so excited. All right, you 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 there, Dad? I'm here. Okay, so tell me again what uh, I forgot to do. Have you called your sister today? Because it's her birthday. No, and I thought yeah, about it and I it's forgot. Her That's right. Uh, I'm going to call her uh, in a few minutes. Here, we're going to take a break and do that. But uh, thank you for reminding me. Oh shit! You're welcome. It's been a long, complicated day. <laughs> Make sure you get the right sister. Yes. <laughs> no. No. I know which one. I can tell the birthdays apart. I'll give her a call in a little bit. Hi, hi, Josh's dad. All right. Goodbye. Bye. So it's my sister's birthday. I should say happy oh birthday, uh, Lessa. Goodness, um, I'll what, call what, you in a few minutes. Her name's here. Lessa. Yeah, oh, that's a great name. I, yeah, yeah. Um, taken from. Do you know what's taken from? Uh, the Pern Dragon Riders of Pern books. Oh. Lessa was one of the foundational protagonists of that whole franchise. Okay. Uh, and I, if I had been a girl, might have been named Manali, who was another character. From that I franchise. love finding out what people would have been named if what, they were the other. What would you have been named? Jesse? I just knew. Would um, you have been Jesse with an I? No. Would you no. have been Jesse, comma, no. a girl? Every <laughs> and everyone was like, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse <laughs> is a girl holding yes. the. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I just oh yeah now I remember uh, I because I just found this out a couple of years ago it would have been uh, Savannah oh really yeah and my dad would have nicknamed me Savvy wow which I had never I don't think I've ever met anyone named Savannah it's uh, a really, I, I dated a girl named Savannah did you really yeah in high school my Come first on. like serious girlfriend was were a girl you named in this Savannah. dimension or the parallel dimension where my parents had a girl. Because you might have dated my doppelganger. Nah, you don't. You don't look that much. Or not alike. doppelganger, yeah. but no. I'm pretty sure it was this dimension. Okay, I think it was unrelated. I thought you said cis dimension. Your cis dimensional. Yeah, the cis dimension. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah versus <laughs> trans dimensional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that. No, um, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. In my mind, walk back two minutes in the conversation though to when you were really badly humiliated on the podcast because that's like. Yeah, no, no, I'm let's, let's go back to that side of that. <laughs> that's really solid. Usually, I'm the one being embarrassed on the podcast, so uh, well, I'm see, gonna revel a, in that. It's, it's a funny uh, thing because like I, I should call her and say happy birthday, but we on the podcast. Oh my god! After the break, please do oh, it. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we could probably do that. Can you? That'll work okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we take a break then? Let's take a break. Because uh, you were pretty much done with the web TV story. Your friend was a dick, and it was there weird. was no. Re- yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I did. I didn't. There wasn't much of an ending. There doesn't to have it, to be a button uh, on it. That's fine. I just was, wanted to make sure I didn't miss any key details. It was your idea, so I blame Basically, you. Basically, nothing Anyone related. Anyone bored by that story not, can blame no, Josh. That was a great story. It's a great story. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we hit the end of it. Uh, basically, the moral of the story is that nothing good ever came of web TV. That guy stole my girlfriend too. That's, oh, I guess maybe that's the moral. Bitch. <laughs> what an a a o. He did. He did have an asshole streak. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the joke. Maybe. You know, he was a really good guy. He was way better for her than me anyway. I was an yeah, asshole. With his web TV. Yeah. They wow. just had internet in the living room. <laughs> everything was a mess. Just, they had everything. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break.
All right, we're back, and I'm going to try calling my sister to uh, say happy birthday. I, I I thought I didn't have her number for a second. I was panicking because I forgot that you know she took her husband's name when she got married. So uh, it's in a different letter. Oh yes. Um, but yeah, let's let's give I this a I shot. I have mine sorted by first name because it just seems more intuitive to me. It's not a bad way to go. Hello, you've reached my survey account. I'm unavailable at the moment. Please leave a message and I will return your call as soon as possible. At the tone, please record your message. This, when you finished recording, you may hang up. This is lacking some of the surprise drama we were hoping for. To leave a callback number, press 5. Tell me more. Do I have further options? Hey, Alyssa, it's your brother. I'm calling to say happy birthday. Wanted to, you know, say happy birthday, basically. So happy birthday, and uh, I will uh, talk to you sometime soon. Love you. Well, that was somewhat underwhelming. That was was not the the on-the-air conversation we were hoping for. I should have barked out some weird thing in the middle. Then you would have Chew call you back and make you explain it on air. That that, that would have been a good play. That would have been a solid play. I don't know why you did that. Let me see if I can somehow finagle her number off of you. Well, who else should we call? Just call her. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Damn it! I'm I'm gonna let's see. Maybe maybe GJ. Uh, we could call Cold Chef. What time is it there? Oh, I don't know. Late-ish, but not okay. too late. I don't know. He's he's an idiot and he enjoys this sort of thing usually. So <laughs> we'll just see what happens. This is somehow this is the phone call episode. Yeah. So GJ I mean, Charlotte. He's, he's probably Charlay. Does a, does a lot of night work. Huh? I've been saying his name wrong forever, by the way. Oh, I've been pronouncing it wrong in my head, apparently. I, there we go. Hello. Hey, GJ. Yes, sir. It is Josh. It is Cortex. Hey, what's up? Not much. I, I'm recording a podcast with uh, my, my cohort, Jesse Holden. And uh, we were, uh, I got a call from my dad. And so I put him on speakerphone. And he reminded me that I needed to call my sister because it's birthday. So I called her and put her on speakerphone. But then I got her voicemail. And that was a huge letdown. Because I thought I was going to talk to her. So instead, I decided to call you because because you are usually game for random communicative hijinks and relatively podcast friendly as well. So I, I thought I'd say, hey, what's up? How you doing? Let me just say for the record that I do not agree to have my voice recorded for any purposes whatsoever. <laughs> Having said that, I'm doing well. I, I should tell you at this point, I am a cop. I'm required <laughs> to tell you that. <laughs> But see, I told you first, so now yeah, I don't I, have to tell you because I preemptively told you. So now I'm not a cop. Yeah. We we did a. What's, we did, going, on, what's going on with the podcast? Not much. We're just uh, we're drinking and discussing sales culture. GJ, uh, hi, it's Jesse. Hi. Hi, Jesse. Um, you know how that you know how Josh like spent three times as long as was necessary to tell you why he called you. The whole podcast is sure. like that. <laughs> We should really have you on this podcast sometime in a slightly more formal context. But uh, but but to try and tie everything together, we were talking about sales and sales culture and sales pitches. And uh, you work in a context where sometimes you, you sort of have to sell people things, but you're not someone who I think of as a dickass about such things. Uh, is, it, is it weird dealing with the process of simultaneously counseling and sort of trying to be sympathetic about someone's grief and also discussing the whole which casket might you buy situation? Here, first and foremost, and this is what I always tell people, I am not a salesman. If I were a salesman, I would be really, really terrible at it just because I don't like pushing product on somebody. Having said that, 
I would no sooner tell somebody what casket to buy than I would tell them what kind of clothes to wear, what kind of cars to drive. I like to say that I've got caskets available for sale and that people just kind of pick out what they want. That works. Uh, yeah, having said that, you know, it, it usually comes down to two things. When they walk in the casket room, they're either going to want uh, steel or they're going to want wood. Um, so if, if you figure out immediately what you want, that eliminates half the things in the room. And it's one of those things, it, it's weird. You, you kind of, it's a personal private thing. And so I kind of show everybody what we have. I give them a little bit of information about the product and then I step out of the room and let them discuss it. And sometimes I'll have people go in the casket room and spend two hours in there taking pictures of every casket, sending it to all the relatives, getting everybody's opinion. And sometimes I'll have someone stand at the front door and go, give me the cheap one over there. Either one is fine with me. I make money either way. All of them say, serve the same purpose. And I've never heard somebody say a disparaging remark because someone bought an inexpensive casket. And I, and I kind of try to alleviate somebody's tears about that. Um, most of the time, people do shoot for middle of the road, and that's for anything. That's with, you know, cars or meals or anything like that. Most people choose what's right in the middle. But there are people that walk in and go, give me the most expensive thing you have. Do, I, I have a question about that. Um, does anyone BYOC? Yeah, yeah. Well, federal law uh, requires uh, funeral homes to accept any casket. Really? Interesting. If you, bring your own, if, you, if you bring your own casket, and I can't charge you any extra fees for using your own casket. I can't charge you a storage fee. I can't charge you a delivery, delivery fee. Um, if you provide your own casket, that's the casket we have to use. Having said that, I have a waiver that I will have someone sign. If someone makes their own casket, like a homemade casket, I'm going to have them sign a waiver saying that there's no guarantee on this casket. If it falls apart and the body falls out, it's on them, not me. <laughs> I, I have um, to ask if that has ever had to come into play. Uh, without being specific, I yeah. will tell you, uh, I have had... Uh, six pallbearers lift up on a casket and the handles tore completely oh off my of the homemade casket and the handles tore completely off of it and they're all standing there <laughs> holding the handles looking at me like what do we do now and I said oh, relax turn around set the handles down on the ground reach your arms underneath the casket and pick it up like that and we just carry on like it was the most natural thing in the world but yeah scared the shit out of me <laughs> yeah. I had a I had a cabinet maker make a cabinet one time for his nephew. He was a professional cabinet maker, and he's like, "Oh, well, no, we're not paying for this. You know, we're we'll we'll make our own." And I said, "Okay, that's fine. I need it within 24 hours if we're going to have the funeral on this day. Now we can push it back a day because that's not a lot of time to build a casket. No, 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 we were going to be able to do it. Okay, so we let him build our own casket." The lid, when he finished with it, the lid was so heavy that even with the body in the casket, when you opened up the lid, if it, if you don't hold on to it, it will flip the old entire <laughs> casket upside down. <laughs> the lid was tethered to the casket with a bicycle chain. Oh, man. Um, which doesn't give very much give. It bends. It doesn't fold like a normal chain does. Um, 
why a bicycle pretty, chain? Was that part of the aesthetic, or that's just what he had? It, it was what he had. Oh my God! Don't buy had. any cabinets from this guy. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he put you know the the, the 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 handles that you have like on the cat on a cabinet like the uh, I don't know that you would just wrap your hand around. He put six of those down each side, or six uh, six of them around the casket, three on each side. Well, there's no room for gifts. So basically, all of my pallbearers in the 200 yard walk to the graveside all busted up their knuckles. On it. Oh, and when they finally set it down, all their hands were cramping and they all pulled their hands out. Their knuckles were all bleeding and there, were, there was blood running down the side of the casket. And of course, at that point, you can't do it but laugh at it. Right. And so uh, the, uh, the uncle who built it, I pulled him up. You know, after everything was done, and I said, you know, you should be proud of Dana. Because, you know, you, know, you, you don't want somebody to feel bad about something they've done. And I said, you did a really good job. I said, my only two suggestions, next time you build one, different handles and a lighter lid. And he goes, <laughs> oh, no, I'm never doing this again. He said, at, about, at about 3 o'clock in the morning, I called the family and said, I'll pay for the casket if I can just stop working on this right now. <laughs> they didn't finish it, yeah, so. So yeah, no, you can you can bring your own casket. I had a, I had a guy that uh, kept his own uh, casket in his living room for uh, twenty years, used it as a coffee table, and then when he died, hmm. um, the, the idea was to put him in it. Um, that specific case, that's not what happened, but sure, uh, you know, still it's a it's a nice concept piece. That's really solid. <laughs> it was a very nice it was a very nice concept piece, and had he died in a different manner. That might have been uh, what we'd use, but uh, uh, <laughs> people fell him a different way. So there you go. Fair enough. Again, without being specific. Yes, certainly. Well, that that that, that yeah, is fantastic. No, I I did, uh, and, and I, I think I mentioned this on a different podcast, but uh, so I also have uh, cremation urns uh, in my sales room, and um, you want to be able to show your urns. As if they're, you know, you don't want just, you know, the normal, you, you want an urn that's personalized so people could see what they look like when they personalized it. Right, So right. I did make a few uh, urns uh, bearing the names of some friends uh, from Twitter and Metafilter, <laughs> including a lovely wooden urn uh, for Jessamine. Did you, ever get a, um, did you ever get a picture of that posted? Uh, I did. I, I put it on Twitter a lot. It didn't come out as good as I wanted to because... Um, without really thinking about it, a laser etching, really, you want a really dark picture because the etching is really dark. And I used a picture that had a lot of skyline in it, uh, which was very bright. And so it, it didn't burn as well as I wanted to. So if I ever decide to remake it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send that uh, urn to uh, Jessman and you should definitely just like use Jessman for every urn from that. Just like, like, just make that the whole like thing. And just pick oh, a different sure. day for every single one, and eventually one is gonna like you know fifty years from now it's all gonna line up, and then you'll be like the subject of a murder investigation. Absolutely, I'll put it. I'll put a date of death on it, and just every now and then I'll just call her and go, "It's coming." <laughs> How did you pick the dates of death for the samples? Uh, so I did. Uh, I did another couple of urns for some metafilter friends, and for their. Date of birth, I used their real date, their real date of birth. And then for their date of death, I used uh, the day that I met them. <laughs> uh, 
Well, which I had to pick like an arbitrary date, so sure. uh, I had to pick the date I met him, which they thought was absolutely hilarious. No, that's fantastic. Um, it's so, it's so, that is so sweet and so morbid. It's just like everything I love about you in one sentence. <laughs> well, what was really, what was really funny is when people were like, oh man, when you do this the next time, you know, get my name on it, put my name on it. I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sell these. These are never going to sell. These are the display items that will be displayed until, you know. You know, we close shop because, <laughs> or until we use a different company because I'm not ordering multiple fake ones. Well, this is what you, you should just like. This would be a new side business for you selling novelty fake death urns to your friends. Like, so it's not like, hey, make one that has my name on it. It's like, I will pay you retail for one that has my name on it. You could like bring in a little bit of scratch here <laughs> and amuse your friends. Oh, I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, that's fine. I'm I'm happy to do that. It's it's funny. One of those things. Uh, the, the, so you can buy urns online, but for like all the major urn companies, they'll only sell directly to funeral homes. Oh yeah. And then we mark it up and sell it to the public. So the uh, online stuff is like the like like eyeglassesforless.com, except for urns. I, I really think it's called like like keepearns.com or something like that. It's, it's like a really horrible name. But but like you have to log into it. So there's like two sides of it. There's the uh, consumer side and the funeral home side. So you can look at all the urns, but you can't see any of the prices. I can go in and uh, and see all the prices. There's one. Oh God, I might never remember the name. The login is funeral, and the password. Is funeral. <laughs> so just look up, uh, just look up her insights online, and you have to log in, try funeral and funeral. And, uh, How do I get a at cheaperns.com email address? <laughs> well, you know, you can just register like at cheaperns.horse. No, that's true. Yeah, but horse urns that's are way too big. Have you, GJ, can I ask you, have you considered getting in on these exciting new TLDs and registering like may, maybe like Charlet Funeral Services dot horse. No, no, never anything like that. Because what uh, if someone I, has a horse die? I've, I've considered. You, do you know the you know the story, right? I don't. I didn't know there was a story. Oh my god, god we just okay. stepped on an amazing story like a landmine. I know it. <laughs> so Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. This was uh, 2012 or 2013. My next door neighbor to the funeral home comes over crying and uh, she says so that her pet has died and wants to know if we can bury it for her. And we're like, you know, yeah, that's no problem. And I said, you know, I will loan you a shovel and a guy for a while. And she goes, no, no, I need a, like a really big hole. And it turns out one of her horses has died. So the horse like had a heart attack and was like leaned up against the fence. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So we had to go there Christmas Eve, and my sister, so we're at a, we're at a cemetery, Josh, you'll appreciate this, we're at a cemetery, and she's texting us and telling us this is happening, and she says, you know, what should I do? And um, I said, well, you know, if, uh, if she wants us to bury it, just tell her to pony up the money. Uh. And then, uh, and, then, and then my brother said it's really rude of her to saddle us with this on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and then uh, 
I said, you know, I don't even know if it's legal in the city. You should ask the mayor. And then it just went just on and on and on and on. The mayor, the mayor. Uh, that's beautiful. And uh, yeah, it just went on and on. But yeah, so, so my guys, I, like, I, I don't even know if this is legal. I'm sure it's not. It's in the middle of town. Wait, can, I, can I ask you, did, did you guys end up backyard. driving out to the site or did you just hoof it? What's that? Did you, did you? <laughs> Oh God! Now I'm going to repeat it. I was going to say, did you did you guys end up having to like drive out to the site, or did you just hoof it? Yeah, very, very nice. Yeah. It's literally across the street. Literally across the street. So we dig a hole in the back of this yard, and uh, and uh, I asked my grave digger, I'm like, so what are you going to do? He goes, I'm just going to shove the damn thing and just roll it across the yard until it falls in the hole. And I'm like, Fair enough. So I actually like stood. Uh, on the other side of her and like just talk to her like real loudly and like real you know waving my hands around and stuff like that while he like pushed her horse across the yard and into the hole but she wouldn't have to turn around and say it um, I've got am- pictures I'll send them to you well please do please do this, this is amazing yeah. I had not heard this yeah, story so this happened on Christmas Eve and so I was able to send those pictures to all of our friends Christmas Eve. <laughs> wish them a happy holiday. Oh, Santa's your horse to die today. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ah, yeah. uh, okay, well. I swear to God, it's GJ has a whole podcast I, worth of stories. I'm telling you, you so gotta, you gotta start that podcast. There. I just, uh, I, I will do anything. I will do anything to capture these stories. If we if we can help, lightning this, in a bottle. We can do a pseudonymous one, so you don't have to associate it with the funeral home. If yeah, you want. yeah, uh, absolutely. I'll, I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the number of my uh, of my talent agent. Right. Perfect. Well, thank you, thank <laughs> you so much for uh, for answering my phone call and. Uh, holding forth here and maybe we'll have you on via Skype sometime uh, instead of me holding my phone up to the, the microphone but uh, <laughs> and, as yeah, always being super generous with your time that's really yes, awesome thank absolutely. you I look, I look forward to it guys All All right. Right. good night good night well honestly that was probably more entertaining than any conversation I would have had with my sister um or your co-host, frankly, yes. and you can just say it. I don't have a problem yes. with it. So, so you know that, that, this that is already okay. my favorite episode. Yeah, that's pretty good. That ever. was nice. So that was. <laughs> I guess we should back up slightly. That was GJ Charlet, who for years I've pronounced his name Charlotte. Uh, GJ, who insisted on not being recorded at the beginning of the of the recording. <laughs> So uh, he's uh, G, 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 okay, write it down, G, yes, G, here's his yeah, address. Yeah. <laughs> a very nice man from Louisiana, an undertaker in a family of undertakers, and a longtime Metafilter member, and uh, just one of the nicest, warmest, most wonderful people uh, you could ever have the pleasure to meet, and I have had the pleasure to meet him a couple times, and I'm very thankful for that, and I hope to meet him many times more before one or the other of us ends up in the ground. Um, but uh, just super nice guy, and uh, also a prolific uh, phone caller, postcard sender, loves correspondence, uh, and so he's and one of the few remember, people. You'll remember uh, our, our our brief uh, uh, tip of the hat to him in a recent episode when we were talking about flippies. Flippies, yes, yes, he is the recipient of the flippies. He loves a good same flippy. guy. Uh, so if you're if you're a, a listener and you feel like sending me a picture of you flipping off someone you haven't met for Cold Chef, let me know and I will do so. Um, 
but yeah, that's uh, wow. I don't, I, I don't really know how to like transition out of that. Should we take a quick break I think and just breaks. recover break emotionally? Could be good. I know, just All like right. curl up with the warm memories of talking to GJ. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we'll be right back. Just lean into it, as they say. Hi, we're back. Hi, we're back. We're discussing mic placement because I've spent this entire episode so far, and I'm just going to fucking run with it. Talking, talking into the ass end of a microphone yeah. that's not well, designed not the to work that end. way. It's more like I'm talking into the top of the skull. It's so funny because I had actually almost mentioned to you, and I'm like, you're we're, like, I was going to say, like, you're like, I'm talking into one that's kind of like down the Twizzler and you're talking into one that's yeah I've got a side address mic that I'm talking to the top of because I've got another mic that the first several times I use it I tried to treat it as a side address mic even though it was a top (laughs) address so I eventually learned to point that one directly at my mouth like a shotgun mic right but this one is not a shotgun style mic and so I so I'm just sticking with I'm just talking to the top of this some more you're gonna get a lot more room on me than normally on uh uh, I wanted to talk about sincerely. I wanted to talk a little bit about Metal Gear Solid Five. Sure. And now we've talked about Metal Gear a little bit previously mm-hmm. in probably a slightly tedious way, but uh, this is a game. This is the fifth game in this franchise. Although really, it's like the sixth or seventh because there more were more than that. Of, even yeah. it's the it's the fifth in the the it's, kind of the console yeah, series. It, it's the fifth in the like, canonical the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a game called Metal Gear Solid, which uh, itself was. Uh, sequel many years later to a couple of games for the Nintendo and then the Japanese version of the Nintendo. Interesting thing, and this was a game made by a guy named Hideo Kojima. And then 1997, 98, somewhere around there, a game called Metal Gear Solid came out, which was a PlayStation game. Mm -hmm. I think Uh, think it was 99. Yeah, in the same franchise. Not positive, but I think. uh, Thereabouts. And it was a tactical espionage action game where you needed to sneak around and you needed to not get in gunfights for the most part. You could, if you were good and lucky, you could survive the occasional gunfight with a bad guy, but mostly you just needed to avoid them because if they swarmed you, you'd die. It was not a Rambo game. It was a sneaky game. Yeah, and, you know, with uh, uh, intermittent, like, amazingly well-crafted set pieces where there were all-out brawl uh, fights in one way or another, whether you had to kind of creatively solve uh, a, a boss fight in one way or bring down a helicopter yeah. with your stinger missile or whatever. And it was, it was oddly cinematic, which was very much the game designer slash director Hideo Kojima's thing. Is like he, you know, the whole thing was very ambitious. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 came along for the PlayStation 2 and was even more ambitious and really maybe the the moment that was sort of peak Hideo Kojima for a lot of people. But anyway, this franchise, this was this amazing, weird, like like stunning and also at times tedious franchise from this very idiosyncratic Japanese game designer, uh, Hideo Kojima. And then time passed and several more games have come along. And then recently uh, he put out Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, the publisher is Konami, has been along. And they've been increasingly on the outs, Hideo and Konami, uh, as this whole process gone along. And at this point, Konami's actively denying rumors that Hideo Jukim has flat out quit and left the company. Or been pushed out of the company. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not clear what's up. But anyway, in the meantime, Metal Gear Solid Five came out. Right. And it's amazing. It's, it's 
if you're familiar at all with open world games, things like the Elder Scrolls games, like uh, Oblivion and Skywind or Skyrim more recently. Right, or, or the Far Cry games are a good comparison yeah, in some or, ways. Or Assassin's Creed with sure. roaming around large areas. Right, of or really like Grand Theft Auto in some yeah, ways. Yeah, like no, that's absolutely. probably the prototypical open world game, yeah, which I'll, none of the Metal Gear games have been before yeah, this. Yeah, the Metal Gear games have typically been very sort of linearly directed series of stealth set pieces where you find your way through this map and then find your way through that map. And with Metal Gear 5, they basically said, here's a big chunk of Afghanistan in 1984. Soviet-controlled Afghanistan during that whole situation. And also, how about some Central Africa? And those are the two main... And there are these great big maps from a couple chunks of those. And it's a great big game full of a ton of stuff, including you build a base out in the middle of the ocean in the Seychelles off an old oil derrick called Mother Base, and you expand this giant sort of private army headquarters in the middle of the ocean, and you go on missions in Afghanistan and in Central Africa, uh, solving problems usually by killing or kidnapping people, because you're basically, you're mercenaries, you're private soldiers building your own right. weird one little... Of the, one of the great it's idiosyncratic jokes of the series is that uh, Big Boss's organiza- private military organization is called uh, Military's Sons Frontiers, which is a play on Medicine Sons yeah. Frontiers or Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, the idea so that you have like Military Without a, Borders, kind of the inverse of it. Yeah, a, a, a self-directed, international, non-affiliated source of people willing to kill people as necessary. Uh, it's a strange thing. It's sure. it, it's a very complicated franchise that has a couple different storylines that Metal Gear Five tries to tie together, and I think does a pretty weird, bumpy, not so coherent job of it. It has several hundred storylines. Yeah, I mean, as, yeah, a, as an obsessive of the series since early days, it's a great. I, can, big I, can, I think I can fairly say it's an interesting. That there's mess, a but ton a great big of mess. threads that are that are constantly uh, interweaving and surfacing, and and then being ignored. And then yeah. coming back and circling it, back and and then being contradicted and then yeah. the contradiction becomes part of a new thread and it's a so fun and frustrating franchise sure. to be interested in. Basically. Okay, so that, let's let's call that the intro. Okay, so that's Metal Gear Solid Five. Set a timer for twenty minutes. Okay, thanks, Siri. Okay, this is the hard limit on how long we talk about Metal Gear Solid. Jesse has set a timer for twenty minutes. Even in even in just your intro, I thought of two thousand different like conversational rabbit holes I could dive down. I really just want to talk about the interesting, notable, weird things about this game. And first and foremost, in my mind personally, is one NPC. Quiet. Mm-hmm. We should let me interject for a split second. There is no question this is going to be ridden with spoilers. From oh yeah, yeah. If you're if dozens, you're, if not hundreds, a hundred hours into the game. Like, so and it's if a you're game, not feeling like you have gotten everything you're going to find discover in the game already, then you're probably going to be so spoiled. Quiet. On the sniper. Sure. The sniper. Quiet. How fucking problematic is Hideo Kojima's relationship with women throughout this entire franchise, of which Quiet's presentation is the fucking apotheosis. This is is a character who you meet as an enemy sniper at one point at a semi-optional mission in the middle, early part of the game, where she's trying to shoot you from very far away because she's a sniper. And you can go back. I don't know. If, is it possible, do you know, to play the game without acquiring her? Can you just skip that? Or do you have to? 
Go I actually it. don't know. I, I've I'm um, I've just just literally today completed the main arc of this entire story. Oh, okay, so and we're just on is, the razor's edge of me not fucking split into you. two, which is split into two chapters. Yeah, and I and and as I understand it, as of my playthrough today, uh, circles back on itself like a snake biting its own tail, eh, as you will, and if you brings will. the entire story of this one installment to a close. So you, so I, I haven't gone back and tried different paths yeah. through the, the story. It, like but, I wonder. It's One possible is. to just not. But uh, so so quiet. She is a sniper. She's a sniper who it turns out is the person who tried to kill you right at the beginning of the game or tried to kill not you, depending on. Oh, it's complicated. Let's not get into it. Sure. The point is she shows up right at the beginning of the game and tries to murder you ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't even remember that that was her. I didn't either. Yeah, so that was that Which was, a, that, was that's a many, good sort of many ways. I thought that it paid off really well with having you replay the in- initial mission. Yeah, which we'll, maybe we'll get to, sure. or maybe that'll be for that special episode. But uh, sure. But in any case, she's she's a female sniper who doesn't speak, and she's referred to as quiet because she doesn't speak, which is absurd on the face of it. Because why would people who are like there's an enemy sniper in the field? The thing they would fix on is that she doesn't talk much. I don't think snipers would talk much in the field. They're snipers. Their whole thing is they're going to like plan out a strike point and be real quiet and still and wait. It's not like snipers are usually like the 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 fucking sunfish bro from bosses. Like, Jay, Jay, oh my God, bro, there's a fucking sniper target. We are seeing some shit, Jay. You know, it's like that's not, that's not how sniping probably works. So the fact that they fixated on the fact that she was a quiet sniper seems fucking idiotic at the textual level. So anyway, she doesn't talk, and it turns out she doesn't talk for a plot reason, which is because she has a, a vocal parasite attached to her larynx that will freak out and kill her and by extension and others spread, yeah. if she ever speaks English. So she never speaks, and your main character is a guy who is named Big Boss, a.k.a. Punished Snake, a.k.a. Naked Snake, a.k.a. etc. Punished, it's, it's complicated. Venom Snake, yeah. Yes, so... so, so you take her out in the field when she's trying to kill you and then you bring her back to your base and then you throw her in jail even though it's established immediately that she's literally capable of disincorporating and can't be helped held in a cell so she's just staying in the cell for the hell of it and then you eventually take her out on missions and you can help out as sniper support so if someone spots you she can kill them or eventually once you develop the technology use a trank dart on them to keep everybody from freaking out sure she can scout a base for yeah. you so, yeah so so she she does this field support stuff and then eventually as things develop she sort of if you develop a bond with her she gets more sort of friendly to you in her own weird non-speaking way eventually you find out that she's not incapable of speech she's just not speaking because she knows if she ever spoke english she would set off this whole parasite vocal cord thing apparently she does speak navajo which one other character does mm-hmm. uh, but he was he was a the implication is he was a world war 2 code talker mm-hmm. um, and in world war 2 we used as a cryptographic method, we had Native American Navajos speak to each other in Navajo, which the Japanese and the German couldn't crack because they had no idea what the fuck Navajo was. Right, because sentence construction is so fundamentally yeah. different and stuff. Yeah, and, so you, right. could, you could decrypt the language, but you which, couldn't which understand. Which feeds into the kind of the language and culture themes of the game, which keeps kind of hammering on. Absolutely. Uh, but so so the deal with Quiet is she's... She, because of her encounter with you right at the beginning of the game, she ends up being set on fire, which would have killed someone normally, but some magical parasites that the bad guys have 
sort of healed her and made her not be dead and gave her the ability to disincorporate and sort of disappear and move incredibly quickly and blah 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 blah. It's all right. She's kind of she's stuff. kind of one of the rogue agents of the magic enemy of the but game. But as yeah. a result, the justification and I'm going to explain the justification before what it's justifying, just to like give it the maximum time to not be stupid yet. <laughs> the justification we are given is that she, as a result actually like gains energy through photosynthesis and breathes through her dermal layer rather than, you know, gaming, gaining nutrition through nutrients and digestion and breathing right. through her lungs. Right. She breathes and drinks through her skin. Yeah. yeah. Which is why she needs to be almost naked the entire fucking time. So you've got this character who never speaks, exists as sort of an affectionate carry on with your main character and stands around in a tiny bikini, a thong and some torn tights. And that's the way the game def like presents her by default. And she's just there the whole time like that in an utterly exploitative way. I mean, there's nothing wrong with sexuality, but this is a character who is presented essentially as having a combination of like indomitable agency and zero ability to communicate who just sort of tags along with you, shoots people. And then there's a couple cutscenes. There's a cutscene near the end of the game where she gets in a splash fight with you. And it seems like sort of a weird romantic blossoming of expression of affection, but it's mm -hmm. never verbalized because she can't speak English. Sure. And the thing is, all of this is such a fucking house of cards to justify this weird sexualized presentation of this character when, you know what, she could just fucking speak Navajo <laughs> or Diné to the guy who speaks the same language, who also speaks English, and communicate that shit. And I don't quite buy, yeah, but I'm shy, so I don't want to like have this other guy who I'm willing to talk to about life and death matters know that I have a crush on my boss thing. The whole thing is weird, and it's so strained. And then there's a big dramatic moment near the end where she struggles with the fact that you're dying from a snake bite but she wants to report your position to the guy on the chopper. But the guy on the chopper is like, I don't copy you. You're not speaking English. Right. And so she struggles with it and she chooses to speak English, which I assume is the choice to commit suicide because this will activate the terrible uh, parasite that's going to kill her as a result. Um, and the whole thing is such a bullshit dramatic setup <laughs> for Titsy McGee, essentially. Like, I liked this character, right. and I wanted some sort of interesting good outcome to happen right. with her relationship with my character. But instead, we get this total fucking melodramatic cop-out where she just disappears as a fucking martyr under the most pretentious of circumstances where you get bit by a snake because you, a master fucking stealth assassin can't manage to pull out a gun and shoot a snake from four feet away when oh, it takes its fucking time. Point. Oh, you've got a fucking hand <laughs> that can fly off your wrist and punch things and explode. Like there was, they had built up such a shining tower of bullshit right. around the idea that you couldn't retaliate against a goddamn snake. Right. Uh, anyway, so anyway, quiet, mm -hmm. really interesting character if super horribly handled. Even the premise that she has to breathe through her skin <laughs> is defied by the game's own bonus content. You can eventually do specific missions and such in a way that you earn you uh, a, an outfit clothes, yeah. where, for her where she's actually basically wearing clothes for once in her fucking life. Right. Uh, which would presumably kill her because she breathes through her skin, except for it won't because it's okay because it's neat because it's bonus content. Right. The whole thing is just like, it's... It's perfectly, there's this weird, compelling, interesting character and also so many fucking problems with it. Yeah. Not least of which the overt 
unnecessary sexualization of the character just because I guess Hideo Kojima likes seeing naked ladies. Is and a, scene. And scene. <laughs> That's my issue with it. Okay. Did the timer go off? <laughs> no, we still have eight minutes. Do you want to say anything? I guess I just talked for like 12 minutes straight. So. Sure. I guess. I mean, um... I mean, I think there's several things about it that upset you, and there's some things that I could uh, charge to the defense of, and some things that I can't. And one of them is, uh, I mean, even unpacking the the hyper loony sexualization of this character is is a multi layered thing, in my opinion. And when you're talking about how this game has bent over back, this story has bent insanely, weirdly contorted itself to justify these things. Anywhere in the series, it is making insane, crazy contortions to justify loony shit that Hideo Kojima or whoever wants to get in the game. And so, I gave you 12 minutes. Give me a minute. <laughs> the, the viewer can't hear me making faces that suggest I'm going to immediately start Yell yelling. Me. Sure. Let me, let, me, let me finish, though. I will. I will. So, one of the suspensions of disbelief that gets you into this universe this entire series is that shit is extremely loony and um justifications are very very flimsy when they're flimsy sure and other but a lot of times it's in service of really really compelling moments that just can be brought about when you just decide which rules you're going to which narrative rules you're going to follow and which ones you're just going to say well magic nanomachines did that or sure. well we're predating nanomachines in 1984 so it's parasites or whatever yes. And that's one of the fun things is that it seems so anarchistic that that the storytelling can just be wild and unbridled and stupid and uh, self-contradictory and self-aware in its self-contradiction and just shit like that, that that is going on and can be so much fun when handled by someone who's having so much fun doing it. And so if you took the sexualization of the character out... And your argument was just like, well, that's a, some thin fucking justification for this character to be some other way, right? If it was, I, I don't know, just pre- pretend it wasn't in service of a character being hypersexualized and, you know, half nude. Why and would quiet. Ocelot use revolvers when much more efficient handguns exist? Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, all kind of much loonier shit than that exists, for sure. So if you if you took the hypersexualization of this one character out, then those justifications, if they were for another tr- aspect of a character, like like a character in Metal Gear Solid 2 being having a magnetic field around them so bullets curve around her or something, right? It's just sure, for sure. the drama of that moment. Or yeah. It's just for that kind of like, what the fuck, you know, aspect to that. Then I, I can justify it because it's a, it's a series that has set has been extremely upfront about what narrative rules it's willing to break. Sure. And I, I think you can have so much fun if you're willing to go along with that. Now, now reintroducing the sexualization of this character. Yeah, though, let, let me briefly okay, say, sorry. I don't disagree with that. And I think there is something joyful, if at the same time, ripe for criticism about Hideo Kojima's somewhat gonzo approach and cinematic idea of, of, of game storytelling. Mm-hmm. I enjoy how nuts the Metal Gear franchise right. in general. So yeah. I, I hear you on that front. And it's so fun just when you know nothing is off the table. So yeah. um, like he could go fucking anywhere with something. Sure. He'll go for the big Shilamalan esque <laughs> twist. Yeah. And you'll sort of like say, what? But okay, and run right. with it. Or do, right. Right. Or, or a whole series of them or whatever. One, one that, yeah. So, um, so that. But then when you reintroduce this character and you, and you know how much of that was in service of 
an end that is having a you know lovely you know nubile woman um with kind of preposterous body proportions um be half dressed and silent through the game then it's it's really it can be pretty dispiriting because i think that the game treats her with a mixture of reverence and sleaze yeah and that's a bummer right i mean that's a, that's been a problem with video games for a long time which we can we could speak endlessly about the the male gaze and female representation issues in video games but luckily uh anita sarkeesian has done a far better job yeah. than i ever will on yeah. that and so yeah it's dispiriting and, and it's a big miss in the game i think it's a big whiff in that but why it makes sense in the game i mean why i'm not prepared to justify it because it shouldn't be in the game it shouldn't be like that um but why i'm not surprised it's in the game is because the game tries to do everything that's going to appeal to everyone as much as possible you know what i mean like think about the games that have had like a horse in them and you're so affectionate towards the horse or games that have had a dog you know what you know the horse from shadow of the colossus or the dog from fallout or all these things or the adorable robot or whatever it really like just tries to do every single thing in one game that can appeal to every standard male demographic well, guy. and that's that's the key and that's the standard problem. male demographic. Yeah, that's totally. the thing like it would There's be no it, disagreement here that that's it, the fundamental problem if snake had if there had been an option to have Snake run around in short shorts yeah. and, and like, you know, pasties. Right. Uh, I think that would have been brilliant and would have made me feel much better about the treatment of quiet. <laughs> but as is, there is absolutely, as you say, it's, it's a male demographic thing. It's blatant sexual objectification of a character for which it was as much as there are some flimsy justifications for it. There's no need for it. There's right. zero reason for her to have been running around in a thong. In a Metal and, and Gear game? That, <laughs> I mean, for a Metal Gear game, they're great. They're, I don't think they, they don't, you know, they don't convince you that, well, she just had to be that naked it, it, and sexy and quiet because that was what the narrative sure, demanded. Yeah, That's we, not what I'm saying. If we're willing to damn with faint praise, right. there's certainly that <laughs> faint praise available that Hideo, gives, Hideo has made less of an effort <laughs> at other times to justify sexual objectification. But or it, even it, things that weren't sexual or obje- objective, like, um, well, but that, but that, all, that's, but that specifically is is yeah. a recurring issue with him. I mean, if you go back to the original Metal Gear Solid, like Meryl, uh, uh, an NPC of import in that game, mm-hmm. existed mostly to be female and also shitty at pretending to be a soldier. Like, that's her whole role. It's emphasized repeatedly that she waggles her ass way too much to blend in <laughs> as not a lady. Like, And right. that's, that's a major part of her participation in the plot and also existing as either a victim or... Or a dead victim, depending on how well you play certain parts of the game. There's a key part in the original Metal Gear Solid. This is an interesting thing about it, where you end up on a torture table. And it's been a long time since your last opportunity to save. And the way it works is you end up on this torture table. And if if you can button pound fast enough, and it has to be really fast. It's challenging. If you can manage to pull off a physical feat of pounding a button quickly... Meryl won't be murdered, and then she'll be alive at the end of the game. Otherwise, you have to either give up or start back and replay from an hour earlier. And so it creates this weird situation where a woman will be murdered if you aren't good enough at a really stupid task. Right, but also Super, her Super ass Mario shakes Brothers. Eventually walks. A woman is murdered if you're not good at a stupid yeah, time. I mean, I don't. That, sorry, that, this is. I don't. That, that was dumb. I, I know. I know you're that. being silly, but yeah, it's like it's, but, it's a major problematic. Sure, thing and, his, and I think it's I think a recurring one across a whole scope of his career. The Metal Gear games have. I, I not to let anyone off the hook who should have known better, but it imports all this from action movies. 
Is that 20 minutes? Yeah. But I'm not As done I yet, so I'm going to keep okay. going. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, this stuff wasn't invented in the in this realm. It was imported uncritically from shitty action movies. Well, yeah, and that's that an interesting used thing. used as a model for a lot of these storylines. And Meryl, I mean, it it it, it stands to stands to to mention that in Metal Gear Solid Four, she's incredibly powerful and self actualized. And well, spoilers, I haven't played Four. I okay, mean, it's okay. From the beginning, you can no, see, from the yeah. from the, from her introduction, she. I mean, Metal Gear Solid One was her kind of like learning how out of her depth she was yeah. and by four so four assumes she did get is the saved. next time yeah is the next time she's she's reappears in the series and she is you know in charge of all of the men in the, her unit and Metal Gear Solid 2 has actually one of my favorite female characters in any video game in Olga Gerlugovich um, I was going to say Rose and so it's really? not that it's not that they're unable to write a strong woman it's just that they insist on this weird sexual pandering thing yeah. be inserted or at least be somewhere because I think that there's a there's the, the, the thinking around it is that there's an expectation that on the part of the gamer that that's one of the things they get from these games yeah. and that's miserable and shitty and I don't like it and I, yeah. I don't want it to be in there at the same time though and this is, this is the last thing I wanted to get to I think that you were rightfully upset about how quiet it exits Metal Gear Solid Five, because it's upsetting. And I think one of the things the game does in the arc of the story is your entire kind of the core, one of the core mechanics of the game, and in fact, probably the core mechanic of the game and how I play it, is collecting men to build your base and build out your army and, and create your fighting force, which affects all parts of the game. I mean, the thing about five is that it's dozens and dozens of sophisticated interlocking game systems that all kind of like play off of each other. Yeah. But one of the core like verbs in the game is capturing a guy to make him part of your unit. And one of the, thing, the things the story of the game does in the closing of the game is you start to lose them. You have there's a really pivotal moment where you have you're forced to go into your um, quarantine facility and execute guys who are compelled by the virus that they have to spread the virus that they have. And in order to save your entire base, you have to kill a bunch of your loyal men who right. are very self-aware and know that you're there to kill them and are not happy about it, but are willing to. And it's you know it's it's a can, can be a bit of a gut punch if you're bought into the story at that point. And the next major plot development that happens is that you. Uh, one of the main characters in the game, Huey, you force him out of your base. And then kind of the last sting of it is that is um, quiet runs off. You go to rescue her. And then in the, in the halfway through rescuing her, you decide that you're just going to kind of like shore up with her, fight off this last incredible wave of tanks and things, and then sort of let her go. And so I think it's a really, really good turnabout in a game that the mechanic has kind of convinced you that the game is about collecting people and building your group, that the group starts to disintegrate at the very end yeah. and come full circle in that way. So no, I, I, agree I, with you I think that losing quiet upset you. And I remember you on Twitter, well, yeah, you were no, really upset. Oh, yeah, no, no. And, and the first thing I thought was I remember how I felt when I watched Serenity and Wash died. Yeah. Spoiler for Serenity. That was a little <laughs> late. Seen, Sorry. If you haven't seen that, fucking, yeah. But I just Sorry. felt like, well, fuck you. You don't get to just do that. You but don't then get to just I take this like, person like, away. You know, I lived with it for a few months, and I was like, that was actually a stroke of genius, I think. Well, no, no, and here's the thing. So so let me respond to that real quick. And I think that's a separate issue than the sexualization thing. It is, thing. it is, and I think it is. you have conflated them a little bit. No, 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 no. I, I, don't, I don't mean to represent the loss of quiet late in the narrative as 
tied in with the sexualization. I actually think the loss of her is really effective from a story perspective. I think there is a structural problem with the game itself where it is a big open world game with a ton of non-narrative content mm -hmm. where you wander around just doing random missions where all of a sudden this character who you have invested in just disappears. And that, I think, is structurally bullshit, even if it's effective emotionally at the time. The problem is you're saying, okay, for this emotional moment to justify this twist in the story, we're also going to say anytime you play this game in the future, that thing that you liked doing in the game is gone. That's bullshit. That's fucked up. Oh, I will see? probably patch the PC version I, that I, I'm playing I, oh, so that really? I can take her. Oh, There's a no, passion. See? No, but... I, this, I agree with you 100%, and that's why I think it's a stroke of genius. I because think, it's consequential. Because it's consequential, but it's an effect con on your experience the, the in the game. Is the as game, opposed to just being like an NPC that's like there as an NPC, and then they're gone as an NPC, and it has no meaningful thing except that you've watched a cutscene where they die. But it here's my issue. Has, I'm, I would be fine with her being gone for any future narrative missions in the game. Mm -hmm. Like if she was... Because the game is already horribly doomed if you want it to be a coherent narrative about you going on these random side missions. It makes no sense that you would do anything right. that wasn't a story mission. All the wandering around, kidnapping random dunes, rescuing random prisoners, de defusing mines mm -hmm. on the part of random NGOs who have hired you to do so. Mm -hmm. None of that makes any sense story-wise once you think of it. Like, like the narrative is <laughs> a very self-contained narrative and then sure. there's all these sprawling random fun things you can do just for the hell of it. And I love those random things and I love the narrative and they're two different things. Sort of. And having quiet disappear from the random stuff mm -hmm. in service of the narrative at an arbitrary point in the game with no warning. That's my problem. This <laughs> yeah. is this goes back to Final sure. Fantasy VII, which was one of the greatest <laughs> strokes of video game fuckery in all time. Final Fantasy VII, there was a major character who was one of the optional party members you could bring her along. Her name was Eris or Aerith. It's, you know, transliteration of a Japanese name, so phonetically it's a little bit tricky. But anyway, you carry her along for like, potentially 20, 30, 40 hours of gameplay. And then there's a plot scene where she just fucking dies. And this is a pivotal moment for a lot of people who were playing video games in that era where it's like, what the fuck? Because it was not like, you know, a plot thing where they quote unquote died. She just straight up was dead and you couldn't get her back and she was never coming back. And you could have literally poured a significant chunk of 20, 30, 40 hours of game time into building that character up in a game where building characters up was super time consuming and important. And so the fact that she died and was dead dead traumatized a lot of people. It was amazing. It was it's a major gaming touchstone. If you talk to people who were playing games in the 90s, they will understand what you're talking about, probably. But it was also really shitty, because it was like, I'm playing a video game. I'm not playing a two-hour dramatic film. I'm playing a game that I'm spending dozens of hours on and investing in the game systems and the characters. And then it just gets fucking ripped away for effect. So it's like, it's a, it's a two-sided coin. It's brilliant, and it's also a fucking dick move. As a design move, it's fucking horrible. Like it's not it's not an interesting let's take away something temporarily so you have to relearn an aspect of the system. It's like no fuck you, you were you made the wrong decision by investing anything in that. Well, I don't think that you. you 
I don't think you may you feel you have to feel like you made the wrong decision investing in anything in that. Um, I mean, I, I keep comparing it to the to Wash's death and serenity, where it's like, it but feels that's upsetting. a two-hour film at the end of a beloved short series. And the I, thing I, is, no one made a decision as a viewer about Wash. The only thing you did wrong with Wash dying <laughs> is thinking that Wash was a good character. And I think I agree with you. It was and a brilliant that's the move. Same thing. But the thing is, no one is going to sit down and say, oh, but there's these other 40 hours of Firefly I was going to watch, but now I have to watch the version without watch (laughs) because I didn't wait to watch the movie after I finished those. That's the thing. After you've watched Serenity, you go back to watch the show and just every shot of Wash is just him impaled by a girder and it's okay. Let me give you you a a stretch of an analogy here. Let's imagine, let's imagine you discover this fun game called Tetris. And you're like, this is a great game. (laughs) I like this game. This is going to be a long analogy. No, this is going to be actually a surprisingly short one. I really like this Tetris game. You've got these seven pieces and you're making lines and this is really neat. You know what? I, 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 I fucking, I love that that T-shaped one. That one's great. Yeah, no, I'm 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 going to build some strategies around this. No, it's 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 a good piece. It works well. I can use it for these specific setups. That T is really going to fucking make this work. I like this. I like this game. I like the role T plays in it. I'm going to play some more. Oh, maybe I'll play this special puzzle mission. See, like there's there's 10 puzzle missions that are special, but then you can play as much of the game as you want as well. I'll go do another puzzle mission. Oh, this is a puzzle mission where I find out that T is never available again because mm-hmm. I arbitrarily decided to play this thing that the game suggested I play. I can play as much of the game as I want forever, like unlimited play, but I never get to use the T piece ever a fucking again. It's just gone. It's just completely gone. That's a bullshit setup. That's a bad fucking game design. That's a shitty thing to do to your players. It's not to say, maybe the game is really playable without the T. Maybe you don't need that for Tetris. Maybe it's actually, it might even be easier once you adapt your play style. But the thing is, the game taught you, here's a valuable piece that's fun to use. Mm -hmm. Fuck you, it's gone. Because bam, I wanted to fridge it for the sake of a narrative twist. But this is not a game that consists solely of a narrative it's a narrative plus a shitload of unrelated free play, but you don't get to use the thing you want in the free play anymore because I don't a think narrative you, twist. I don't, I don't think you can get away with saying you're just talking about the mechanics of the game because I don't think you would have this reaction if it was just a specific weapon that was taken away from you I, at this I stage agree with the you. game. I agree with you, actually. And I I definitely there's an emotional investment in the character, and I agree that there speaks to the power of the emotional manipulation of the game to manage to make me more upset about this than I would be if like, what do you mean I can't use the AR-15 anymore? Right. But... Right. I, I think I think in your Tetris analogy that that you're just talking about losing a tool in the game, but what you're not upset about losing a tool in the game. You're upset about losing a buddy in the game. Yeah, but in this case, okay, if we really want to go there, if we want to establish a difference, let's say that the puzzle level where you lose the T involves a completely unnecessarily threat of murder and rape of the T in the setup for losing the T. And then the T gets lost because the left arrow key is no longer available because somehow you just can't press left on the arrow keys anymore because of story. Like the whole set, I would be less angry if there'd been a really satisfying end to the quiet story but i feel like they really just sort of like shat the bed on it Hmm. in a clumsy fucking way that like they had to have several dumb fucking things happen (laughs) they removed player agency in a game that is all about player agency just so they could set up a situation where your 
NPC characters slash partners slash maybe you could have been boyfriend and girlfriend. It's not clear, but there's definitely some tension implied there earlier on. Suddenly is trapped by a giant ball of stupid and decides to wander off and write you some shitty high school poetry about it. I, I think you I think you have a more critical view on that particular plot contrivance than others because it upset you. I mean, there's the well, game it upset me because it was like a terrible fucking contrivance. contrivances. I don't care. Yeah, and, and I, 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 I agree one, with you. I think that one stung you and you got upset by it and but, that's okay. But okay. So that, that one compared to many of the other plot contrivances, that one was actually about human characters interacting sure. versus like the bipedal fucking metal dinosaur that has always been stupid, <laughs> but whatever. That's the name of the game. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I, I agree that right. I'm, totally compromised by actually having some degree of emotional investment but i don't think that excuses the shitty handling by the game i think it just underscores how much it's shitty that the game handled it poorly i don't think it handled it poorly and i thought that the entire sequence where you lose quiet was effective and i thought it i thought it did what it set out to do and i and i thought it was earned and I do really like that it's consequential. I do really like that losing quiet has not just an effect on you as a person who, because of mirror neurons in your brain, care about a character in a video game, but that you actually have that moment of realization that like, oh my God, actually this is something that fundamentally affects my entire story from here on out in the same way it affects your characters in the game story from there on out. And, and I think that the, the, I think you have presented a compelling argument for the, the the least forgiving read of that sequence but i think the most forgiving read of that sequence is that you have kind of taken into care a character who has been kind of orphaned by her situation is completely without agency in a certain way but has always had the power to leave and in in one of her first meaningful cutscenes, she's handcuffed you've just captured her she's handcuffed on your helicopter she like glitches out of the handcuffs shoots down a harrier with her sniper rifle and then decides to glitch back into the handcuffs to just like ride out the rest of the helicopter with you. And I think that's really telling that that's how the character is presented is she's there because she wants to make a go at making this work. And of course, yes. there's a second secondary narrative where she's tasked with being there to kill everyone. But she's kind of constantly making the decision not to kill everyone with this parasite that she carries. But that the 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 ultimate convergence of all these threads is that she you know enjoyed her time and wishes there could have been more but ne never could be and she has to move on and in a game where the mechanic is designed around you like possessing her like having her in your basically your arsenal to have her story end with she's no longer belongs to you i think is really compelling well no no i and and i i don't think that's a disallowable move or anything. I think it's problematic in this specific game design. I think it would be, I would have way less of an issue with this in basically any other Metal Gear game where the game was the narrative. I think it's, it's shitty at a player mechanical level mm -hmm. to take a tool away from an open world free roam situation <laughs> like that. And I, and at that point I realized in a sense I am objectifying super, super entitled to, yeah well, no no no, no. Yeah. it's true but at the same time it's also i mean you will grant it's explicitly not necessary to actually make quiet disappear from the general game just in service of the narrative 
considering how much of the rest of the narrative doesn't make any fucking sense if you insist sure. that things be... Con- so, like, that, that, sure. that's a decision there. <laughs> it's definitely, like, you know, salt in the wound on Kojima's part. And, and not to say it's not effective, yeah, I but think, it is an active I think so. I think sometimes decision. as a storyteller, you salt the wound. Yeah, well, but I'm just saying this is not... The fact that it's not a novel, it's a novel and also a whole series of random, temporally dissociated stories. And so to apply a a, a hard limit on the ability to tell those stories that aren't moored in time to the narrative to say, yeah, but the narrative says that those can't involve this anymore Mm -hmm. arbitrarily, that's... It's problematic, but more so to the I point. Think, but, I think the, the, I think more the general thing is, I want to say I would, is, I, it would it would take away from the game for me to hack something in that re-added quiet after that. Well, sequence. and I haven't done it. Would, it, yet. it would take that. It would I, take I, part of the punch of that away. What for I have me, actually done is taking my dog see. out on missions instead. Yeah, and I've, <laughs> Which I've the learned dogs to have, better anyways. <laughs> yeah, it depends on what you want to do, but the dog is pretty great, and so I'm, I've been trying. To, and the other thing I did, the other thing I did, I'll say, instead, like like. like what I decided to do once I was like fucking pissed and I beat the game, mm-hmm. beat the game's narrative, Snake wrapped up his shit, Quiet mm-hmm. was gone, and what I did was I finally started taking someone else out on missions. Because Metal Gear uh, 5, it lets you, among other things, you kidnap, like I've kidnapped literally 1,600 <laughs> enemy soldiers over the course of the game, plus at mm-hmm. least that many uh, from the battlefield and they come back to your base and you indoctrinate them and they work for you which is not weird or anything right it's it just a series of you know them. Uh, uh, let's we could have a whole other conversation <laughs> about the super problematic use of torture as a really explicit Jesus theme in this game Christ, but i don't yeah. want to get into it because i'm like in a better mood than i would be if we talked about yeah, that sure uh but anyway you bring soldiers back and then you can actually go out on missions as them instead of as the main character mm-hmm. and so after this whole thing and with some of Quiet, them have some skills that outstrip those of snake yeah well although depending on how well you develop your stuff right. they only catch up with some of the things you can develop and of course only only your uh sorry big boss only big boss gets the prosthetic arm yeah which stuff, you don't so. need for a whole lot of stuff although it's handy to, anyway right. the point is i ended up taking out this woman named quiet buffalo or something hmm. uh sh- you know angry buffalo something everybody right. has weird random code names instead of real names and i started taking her out she looked a little bit like the default model for the female shepherd in mass effect actually okay um uh, oh, Mass you found Effect a new one quiet. Well, the, you started to open your heart to a, what, a new really, love. No, no. What I really did was I decided that I guess the actual big boss, the actual venomous snake, mm-hmm. uh, was so taken aback by this situation, this loss, that he basically said, "Okay, you're fucking in charge now. I'm going to take some time." And so this woman goes out, and yeah, she sort of is a proxy for Quiet, but she's mm-hmm. also a proxy for Big Boss. And I started doing some other sorts of gameplay. I started being a little bit more willing to kill people. Mm-hmm. I started using lethal weapons a little bit more as an active tactic rather than just a total fallback, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, sure, I gotta get sure. it alive tactic. Um, and I started exploring other things, and, and that was going well. And then I was getting to the point where I'd put a lot out. I was probably 120 hours into this game. I've played a lot of it in the last several weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was already getting to the point where I sort of look at my watch and think, should I keep, am I enjoying this or am I just doing it because I've been doing it it's so routine, much yeah. that it's just what I'm doing right now. And I took her on a forward operating base mission, which we're not going into the details of, but it's sort of like <laughs> invade someone, <laughs> invade another player's base or a simulated player's base sure. and try and sneak into their command center and get some points for it, basically. 
And and I was doing this with her, and it was going really well, but then all of a sudden everything went bad, and I found out that if you fail at that and get shot to death, you die. And I played with this character for like 15 fucking hours doing random missions and shit, and then she's dead. And I'm like, fuck me. Holy shit. Everything, everything is shit. Hideo Kojima is, is a story of dreams. Nothing is good in the world. This game is a font of misery and loss. And I'm just fucking... I'm going to go do something else. And then I've played like 30 hours of Rocket League since then. And that's the end of the... Oh, Jesus. I love it. We should have done a whole episode just about this game. Obviously, because, I don't know, like an hour ago, the 20-minute timer went off. Well, 20 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, We saved it for the end. I'm glad we saved it for the end. Anyone who doesn't care about uh, Metal Gear Solid rants. It's a really fascinating game that I can't recommend you go play if you have no idea what we're talking about, because I feel like picking up Metal Gear Solid 5, it's a really excellent game, but it is really the accumulation of everything that Kojima learned in terms of mechanical design yeah yeah for sure i i i think i think it's pretty i mean compared to four it's got a pretty decent on ramp for someone who's not familiar with the lore or the series and the mechanics at all well yeah and i think the game does in fact because just earlier today the game looping back on itself and replaying the very first mission where you were completely helpless tiresome yeah it is and and i like i I appreciate the idea of it but like it's a long slow tedious fucking mission right but they could have done a flashback over two minutes that would have been there's a lot of stuff happening, I think, that um, that you can appreciate the second time around in terms of how the game is teaching about the mechanics of the game. Like when the helicopter flies by and shines its flashlight in and there's this subtle audio cue and this subtle kind of like screen overlay thing that happens when a light is shining across you even if you're not facing it. That's important information for later in the game. Funny or, story, though. I got through that no problem the first time I played the mission. I got fucking shot to death by the helicopter during the flashback. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like, actually really <laughs> like that because I really like that the game takes away everything you've built up. I mean, it's... Um, I, I like the gotten better idea of it. I found the actual execution... But uh, really there, there's a lot of little things like that where where in things that are more or less cutscenes, you get cued into like what sound cues or visual cues or mechanical things can go on. Yeah. What what enemy sightlines, how they work and stuff. The game, the that intro sequence is masterfully engineered and, and starts really, really slowly, I think, as uh, super deliberately. Which is fine to at the contrast start. with by the end of the game, of course, you're like this ultra unkillable super soldier from outer space. Um, I, I liked how it came around in that way. But um, anyways, I'm sorry. That's a whole nother tangent. My, my brief beef there is that at the end of the game, you've become this super powerful partly through development, but mostly through practice. Mm-hmm. And so taking it all away again at the end for the flashback is problematic because it's not saying, okay, but can you do it without all your bonus gear? It's saying, okay, fuck you. Everything you've learned doesn't count because we're just going to arbitrarily wildly handicap you in a way that you can't actually get around. I thought it, I thought it was a way of making you feel physically uh, impaired or crippled. I thought again, it was. It just was not the most around. effective. Like like the end of Mass Effect Three, I think, was much better that way. <laughs> anyway, well, I mean, that's a whole Mass that's a whole other story. Yeah. So I guess I mean you know tune in to our new uh, Metal Gear Solid Five <laughs> arguments. We could start a side I podcast about video games. I mean, holy sh- I mean, Metal Gear Solid alone, I could talk for 100 hours about if I haven't made that clear already. But so apologies. But uh, Do you want to play through the whole franchise together again? 
if uh, God, I really want. I mean, five made me want to start Let's, and play through yeah. the whole franchise in um, in universe chronology. Chronological I've got order, the I've got the GameCube which, remake. Watch, watch of, me do this. He's got his finger up. He's holding his finger up as if to say, one or possibly I have a point. Snake Eater, Portable Ops, uh, Peace Walker, five, M- Metal Gear, Metal Gear Two, Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid Two. Metal Gear Solid 4. I think that's And even. then Metal Gear Rising. That would be the chronology of the entire Metal series. Rising, you mean Revengeance? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I yeah. didn't like the demo of that. Anyway, I didn't like yes, the demo. We either. should have it's a, a discussion about this that isn't on camera. But anyways, if you wanted to play him in, uh, in, chronolo- in universe chronology, that's that your would machete be the order you would do it in. Um, um, and uh, I think it, it would probably, uh, it could probably stand it. Yeah. I think we've learned a lot about each other on this yeah. episode. Mostly that we both really should talk about Metal Gear more. <laughs> and that we should really apologize <laughs> to every listener not interested in this video game franchise. Uh, we should probably stop, but uh, this has been a joy as usual. I, don't, I really had a good time. I don't. I, like I don't scra- get a little scrappy with you. Is yeah, that, no. I mean, it, I hope it's I don't, good. It doesn't no, feel no, like no, I'm no, actually no. contentious with you. No, no, no. It's I, great. I, 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 like I really enjoyed it as well. Things. I like. I like actively disagreeing. It's, yeah. it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, it's easy because you're such an idiot. Well, yeah, and go <laughs> fuck yourself as well. Um, but yeah. Uh, Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's fine. It's 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 no big deal. You. Just, I love you. Yeah. No. Fuck okay. Fuck you. Good app, good app. We'll, uh, we'll we'll talk again soon. I'm more just out of anything than I usually am at the end of the show. You had a lot bottled up about that. I did. Yeah. It was it was a uh, it was a thing. Well, you 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 can find my outro uh, on a cassette tape hanging from a tree. <laughs>